This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read Eileen Wilkes' Ritual Magic, and Mick read The Magical Christmas Cat. All new stories by New York Times bestselling authors Aaron McCarthy, Nalini Singh, Linda Winstead-Jones, and none other than Laura Lee. Welcome to Bibliovile. My name is Mick Dickinson. I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are here to bring you just the worst books we could find or buy or hear about uh, in everywhere. They're just, <clears throat> they're just bad. They're bad. They're really bad. And this episode is going to be filled with some extra holiday joy. Yeah. <clears throat> Later we'll have some fucking pie and we'll do some caroling. <laughs> the book that Mick read for this episode was one of his Christmas presents and we're still married, so that's good. Must not have been that bad. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I have to cover four short stories, all supposedly about the magical Christmas cat uh, and all of which feature no one actual cat in the four books and hardly any Christmas. Well, I'll get Is there that. any magic? Oh yeah, tons of magic. Oh, okay, okay. Tons of magic. So only one word, or only two out of the three words were alive. There anyway. Is, there is a the. That's true. Oh, I suppose, yeah. It hasn't, it hadn't been trademarked yet by the Ohio State University at the time <laughs> of publication. Not yet. So I am going to go first because I'm going to be honest, I don't have a whole bunch to say about my book. Yeah, we know who the star of the show is this time, and it's yeah, we Susan's do. picking ability. Uh-huh, it really is. I'm the best. Uh, I read... Ritual Magic, a novel of the Lupi by Eileen Wilkes. Is that plural for lupus? Yes. Nice. It sure is. Would you like to tell me a little bit about how you found this one? Well, I knew I wasn't going to win. Yeah. There was no way I could get you something on par, so I punted a little bit. Yeah. Found something with a lady and a sword in the ground, and I can't even remember what it's about. Neither uh, can I, and I just finished it this morning. Uh, memory loss, and who once tried to destroy her, and so these sorts of words uh, scream bibliophile to me. And it's nothing special. It's it's back to the well. But when you when I'm facing down the magical Christmas cat, yeah, I, I can't hope to compete. No, you really can't. I got you good on that one. Um, this book is in the Lupi series by Eileen Wilkes. Uh, other titles include Tempting Danger, Mortal Danger, Bloodlines, Night Season, Mortal Sins, Blood Magic, Blood Challenge, Death Magic, Mortal Death Ties, Challenge. and then this one, Ritual Magic. So you can definitely see some themes, and a lot of those are like classic bibliophile titles. I was going to say, right? really right out of our generator that we made like a year and a half ago. I have to ask, before you keep going, I see that there's an anthologies section. I'm not getting one of those next time, am I? Um, not that I... Oh, stop! Yasmin Gallinorn. You might be getting one of these inked with Karen Chance, Marjorie M. Lou, and Yasmin Uh, Gallinorn. Jade Ann Krentz and Lori Foster. We are are diving into just this uh, spiral of former bibliophile author's it's all, an alternate universe all on its own. All but one of these books features a former uh, Bibliovile author. One yeah. has all f- two of their three authors, in addition to Eileen Wilkes, uh, are former yeah. Bibliovile. Jane Ann Krantz wrote Harmony, uh, and Laurie Foster of famous Christmas sex book, other than these Christmas sex books. Yeah. Uh, Yasmin Gallinor and Our Girl. Our Girl. Uh, Otherworld episode coming out soon. 
Very and then, excited. And then Laura Lee tied and with a Laura bow. Lee. You could have gotten me that one. We both could have read Laura Lee Christmas anthology. Shucks. Oh, no. I didn't think to look. I know, we are, too bad you didn't look I'm at the anthology. I'm starting to get creeped out. This is like when you talk to your friend about dog food and then dog food comes up on your like Instagram advertisements. Like we are being targeted by big publishing. Like they're yeah. beginning to hone in on our data. Except it's with books that were published in 2013. Wow. Yeah. Which we were. Were we doing? No, we weren't no, doing Biblia. Because we hadn't graduated from you and I That's yet. true. So this is the 10th book in this series. Nice. And I think that is where a lot of my, like, just, I just couldn't with this book. And I think that's a lot of why. Because the writing is is good. Like, Eileen Wilkes is a good urban fantasy author. Like, the writing is good. She has very developed characters. All these things are great. I have no idea what the hell is going on because this is the 10th book. So there's some stuff that's like bonkers and fun, but there's so much that I'm like, I just don't know what's going on that it kept me from really being able to like get into it. And this book, Mick, we got to talk about this. This book is over 400 pages long. Yeah, it was a hefty boy. Like all of my last couple ones have been over 400 pages long. So that's a, that's a lot, buddy. This one's 372. Okay, but the font in this one is small. Yeah, but the pages on this one are bigger. Okay. But I got you two two little boys in the last couple episodes. Uh, so. Point of order, please don't call what you got for me little boys. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Two little books. Small two. books. Real just, small. Just little books. Just just a little just one. Just a little book. So in this book, um, our main character's name is Lily Yu. Um, Lily... Like the tree, I'm assuming? Uh, no, Y-U. Oh. Um, she's Chinese. I see. And she is the consort or the mate to one of the leaders of one of the wolf packs in the area. Um, she is a cop. I'm a cap. And in the beginning, we just like jump right in, which I do appreciate. We jump right into the plot. Um, she and her family are celebrating her mother's 57th birthday at um, a Chinese restaurant owned by a family member. And her mom goes to the bathroom and comes back and has lost all of her memory up until the, or like back until the age of 12. Hell yeah, mom. Yeah. So she she thinks that she is 12 years old and it is her birthday. And then she looks in the mirror and she's panicking. Like, why am I in this old body? Um, And so that is kind of what kickstarts. Haven't we all? Yeah. Panicked about being in our old bodies. (sighs) Yeah. Um, Man, that's a downer. Um, But so that's what's happening. And then throughout the night, they find out that there are like 300 other people that this has happened to. Some of them have only lost like a couple weeks or just certain memories. Some of them have lost so many memories that they're in a coma. One victim actually dies. Um, Actually, two victims die. One, I think it's just too much trauma for their like psyche and their body just shuts down and then another one loses all of their memory so far back that they forget how to drive which is bad because they're operating a moving vehicle in like heavy traffic at the time so like two people actually die there are hundreds that have lost their memories in some capacity and it is something magical they ascertain that it's not poison um and it's not a spell but it's like some sort of spirit thing. This damn Vanzineer. The dream eater from Otherworld. I know. I mean, really, if it's all the same universe, if 
Eileen Wilkes and Laura Lee have collaborated. Oh then. God! Don't threaten me with Laura Lee making. Oh no! In not no no no! Yasmin Galliner and not Laura Lee. No, Laura Lee can't ruin Otherworld for us. Ugh. That's too much. Otherworld meat. Um, hot world would be gross. Laura Lee's probably. Ugh. There were some things like I just want to give you a dose of the like world that I was dropped into in this, where I had no idea what was happening. Real Dune situation. Ruben was an off the charts precog. Friar was an off-the-charts patterner. The two gifts title case worked differently, but Ruben usually sensed it when Friar was manipulating the probabilities in a major way. Does that translate into a hunch you can share? He said. I'm afraid not, but the level of perturbation suggests the event may have wider repercussions than is immediately apparent. No. Lily, I'm going to allow you to remain in charge for now because you're on scene, but you can't keep the lead, not when the victim is your mother. So these things like precog, patterner, never mentioned again. Um, I don't figure out who Robert Fryer is until, like, he keeps being referenced, he keeps coming up, but I don't have a good grasp of, like, his backstory until oh. over halfway through the book. Oh, Bobby Fry's? Yeah, Bobby Fry's. Yeah, Bobby sounds Fry's. Like a, sounds like a Futurama character, actually. Um, mm. There's a another thing... Um, Argwai, she said flatly. That's what it felt like. She ran her thumb over the toltawai in her ring, which held Argwai, or so she'd been told. Her mouth twisted. Not that I know what that means, but that's what the elves call it. Some kind of power that isn't magic. Magic can tell me it's present, but can't identify it. Guess how many times that comes up again? It doesn't. Oh. Argwai. More like... Dumb guy. Mm, Got him. Not your best. Not your best. Okay, well, I'll <laughs> this podcast alone. Oh, bummer. So I had some more notes I'm here. Way over here. Um, I had some more notes, but Mr. Dickinson, the dog ate my homework. Yeah, literally, I saw it happen. It's happened to me before as well, <laughs> except it wasn't my homework, it was theirs. Yeah. Actually, that happened to my sister once when we were in... When she was in high school, um, except it wasn't her homework, it was her sheet music. And it was the sheet music that our band director had borrowed from another school. And when he handed it out, they were given very specific instructions to not let anything happen to it. And then our dog Maggie shredded it. That sounds like Maggie. Um, ironically, was it like pep band music? And then, of course, the Baja Man seminal classic, Who Let the Dogs Out? No, but that would have been amazing. No. Um, instead, I don't remember what happened and what I took notes about. The first note on the second page that I can start deciphering again is, holy Christ, this book is boring. Um, there's a guy who can communicate only in hymns. Mm. He's a saint, apparently. He walks with the angels. His name uh, is Hardy. Nice. That sounds like a hosier. I think only yeah. Hozier can communicate in hymns. Yeah, that would that but would make logical of, sense. He's more to of me. a forest nymph or sprite than Oh, definitely. An yeah, definitely. Um, there is a ritual murder that takes place in the park that is somehow tied into the people who've lost their memory. I love True Detective. There's a ghost named Drummond. Um, oh. I'm so I. It took me a while to like. Obviously, you hear the word lupus or lupi, and you're like, "That's a werewolf, right?" Just a wolf or a wolf. But it took me until probably three quarters of the way through the book to confirm that that's what it was. Because much in the way of other bibliophile books, they never, like, up until that point, they never shifted. So I was like, Mm. is this one of those shifters where they, like, have the traits of their animal, but they never actually shift? But then they do. I, I, 
want to dive very deep into that. We should have some sort of like post-show, you know, uh, Walking Dead, Talking Dead. Oh, thing, yeah. Where we can kind of dive into the the particulars of the bad book universe in which we've now inhabited for a while. Mm-hmm. What's with people writing their books as if they are getting ready for the sci-fi television movie and preserving the budgets? Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Like, this is your fantasy book, dude. Go balls to the walls. Yeah, all you gotta do is describe it. It's not like you have to CG it yeah. and film it. My favorite was the shifter book about the honey badgers where one of them turned into, like, a 30-foot tall. Yeah. Like, that was great. She did not pull any punches. Well, the thing about that is is that the actual shift happens behind the, yeah, the table. Yeah, that's true. Well, and, wasn't it because she was embarrassed, though? No, the, she she got pushed back there, and it was uh, the, the anger that made her shift. Stevie. Stevie, I like shout that. Out, yeah, she, shout one. out to uh, honey or Hot and Badger. Hot and Badger. That yeah. was a good one. Yeah. I like that one. Um, I'm going to bring that up in my review, actually. At one point, a bunch of dwargs, dwargs. fall from the sky. Not dwarves. Or wargs. Dwargs. Are they small wargs? No, they're giants. Okay. But yeah. Um, no internal consistency is fine. Um, then the werewolves kill the dwarves with Uzis. Nice. I love yeah. I love Uzis. What is it about like I think it was because the, the generation of back to the talking bibliophile. Uh I'll think of a name later. Um that I don't know what it is about the generation of authors that we're reading from. But I think they all grew up in the early 90s and or like all came of age in the early 90s and saw just action movies galore with mm-hmm. Uzis. Like there's something about Uzis that just reads so Schwarzenegger movie to me. It really does. And yeah. Otherworld, I'm reading it right now, has Uzis in it. You have Uzis. Like mm-hmm. there's just it's like the one gun they know. Why does nobody have an AK-47 or like an AR-15 or something? Which is funny that you mentioned that because now that I think about it, I have read books that have AK-47s in them, but they are younger authors. Maybe it is a generational thing. Yeah, it's like every every generation has their bad guy gun. Yeah. And like in the early 90s and late 80s, it was like Uzis yeah. for, you know, men with ponytails. And yeah. And with Michael Bay and every, we get AK-47s and Islamophobia. And then, oh, the Russians. Don't forget about Russians. Oh, yes. Always Russians. Yeah. Uh, and now the, the AR-15 bad guy gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Should, we should really start doing literary analysis of bibliophile books. That would be gl- glorious. We're, we're looking for a way to go viral. I know. <laughs> so let's go English class on this yeah. bitch and really analyze it. We'll bring in uh, sometimes listener Katie Twaddle. Um, yeah, but we could like do it outside when it's nice and all sit around and like have a cigarette and a pipe and like oh, really yeah. go hardcore into it and yeah, be nice. Yeah. I'll put on my, my leather jacket with tweed patches. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. My tweed jacket with leather patches. Oh yes. Can't get this mixed up. Um, they figure out, this was the one part that I thought was kind of interesting. They figure <laughs> out where the memory loss came from and it all originated around Booze. this guy. So there was this guy whose name I've already forgotten who was murdered your memory. in a ritual murder oh. by a god and a Wiccan, a, a witch who was seduced by the god to carry out his evil plan. Uh, and so they, they murdered this guy in a ritual murder and anyone who had had any contact with him had him erased from their memory. And so, like, there were some people that were barely affected by it at all because they were, like, his very casual co-workers that, like, worked in the 
other part of the office down the hall. And they were like, oh, like when questioned about it, they were like, oh, yeah, that guy. Um, so it's he, like he wears a lot of polos. He was he was down in that other office. What was his name? So they are like very minimally affected by it. But then there's other people that like knew him at either very like influential points in their lives or when they were very young. And so those memories being removed, like basically ruined their whole brain. So it's like infernal sunshine of the spotless mind or. That's a good, that would be a better name for it, I think, than ritual magic. That would be. So the yeah, reason. Yeah, but it's more than one word. The reason that Lily's mom, Julia, was impacted so badly was because this guy was her first ever boyfriend. Aww, um, when they were in like, well, no, very early high school, but they met when they were 12. Uh, and also it like really impacted her brain because like her dating this guy caused a rift with her parents impacted the way that she then raised her daughters like it had like echoes all the way back through her whole life i'm gonna go out on a limb i'm gonna say that's pretty neat it is it like that part was super super interesting that like how how one single person might impact you and how that person never existing might have impacted your life like it was very very cool so like could she thought she was still 12 and like her major life story got deleted from her brain but yeah she, did she still remember like pop songs like memories that didn't have to do with him no Aww. so the reason they explained it was because <laughs> her like she didn't remember anything else even the stuff that wasn't connected to him because her brain was so badly damaged so she like completely reverted back to being a 12 year old oh that's kind of lame yeah um they eventually fix it uh right in time for lily's wedding to rule the the lupus guy we'll talk about names don't you worry i'm sure we will um but one thing that i want to bring up this is like a weird not a trope because i can only remember like two other times in bibliobile books that it's happened but at one point when the dwarves attack there is a guy who dies from blood loss but they shocked him and restarted his heart. <laughs> and that is not the first time that we have read that in a Bibliobile book. Stra- like they're strangulated. Strangled. Strangled, yeah. And they, yeah, paddles, yeah. paddles them back to life. So like people who die from not heart failure are shocked back. Also, point of order, the paddles are not to restart a heart. They are specifically to stop it. Yeah, and like basically like interrupt the pattern, yes. right? Yeah. So if your heart is stopped, you do not shock a person back to life. That's not the point of the paddles. Especially not if the reason they died was because they bled out. Like, that's not the problem that you need to fix right now. blood-filled paddles just into the body. Yuck. Oh, I am O positive that that is disgusting. You know, I, I think that this book wasn't your favorite, but I, I'm really regretting that you are you are being negative about it. I lost it. Yeah, Sorry. you did. The first you, one was really good. Can I, I ask you to be positive about that joke? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> good one, man. Trying to tell that joke in the middle of this was a negative idea. <laughs> <clears throat> So yeah, that was Ritual Magic. I don't really have a whole lot else to say about it. It was long and it was fine. Nice. (laughs) Mick, 
Yeah. Can you tell me about the magical Christmas cat? Oh, Boise. <laughs> this worked out better than you could have ever possibly I imagined. I just cannot believe that this book exists. To look at this, the cover, and I know that this is not very interesting to you at home who can't see it. Maybe I'll try to find a way to post it or something. But the magical Christmas cat's cover is that of a Hallmark series, right? Like, Yeah. It's happy. It has a snow globe. It doesn't get more hallmarky than that. It's happy. It's bright. There's a white cat reaching up, staring at the letter A in cat, and is is sort of like pawing at something in the air. There is a snow globe with just various sized pine trees in it for some reason. There's twinkle lights. There's, yeah, little holly with the berries and everything. It's very warm and inviting. And none of the books in it are. I have to imagine that this was some sort of camouflage so that when your mom is reading this book at Christmas time, the rest of the family doesn't know what she's reading. Is it a gross sex book? They're all gross sex books. No. Also, yes. Of of varying efficacy and wonderment. Uh, Laura Lee's comes last for some reason really just strung me out. I think that's because like she's the power player in this. I don't know why. People love her. To bring it back to the Honey Badger thing. Yeah. When we first read. That book was fun as hell. That book was fun as hell. And when we read the first one, the one about the uh, Bear Meets Girl or whatever, we, it was terrible. We hated it. And I, I barely think. got through it. We were supposed to read it as a couples challenge, and I barely you got into it. You didn't get through it. I, you... No, I mean, I barely got into it. Oh, okay. Like, less than 100 pages, or greater than 100 pages. Okay. Uh, um, and then I read The Honey Badger Thing, unbeknownst that it was the same author. Sue picked it because it was a shifter book with honey badgers. And it was awesome. It was so good. He told me, like, unironically, he was like, this book is great, and I want you to read it. And so I read it just as a book, like real people do. And it was fun. Yeah, I can't remember who writes it. Uh, I'll look it up. I'll find it. Yeah, we'll give her a shout out. But it, like, we were so proud of her. It was great. It was fantastic. It was amazing. And it was so fun. And it, it still had some issues, but it was, like, really fun. Yeah. And so as I was dreading the eventual Laura Lee short story that comes at the end of this collection. Sorry, I'm currently holding Finn, so if my voice sounds weird. Um, <laughs> And I got a Shelly Lawrence. Shelly Lawrenceton. We love. We stand. We stand. Oh, we stand. Uh, Shelly Lawrenceton did a wonderful job, and I took back a lot of the feelings I had about her and replaced them with positive feelings. And then I said, "How funny would it be if I read this Laura Lee thing and Midnight Sins was truly just like a, a drunken, fluke? yeah, a drunken weekend where." She just wrote it all in one go and then pressed publish, and it somehow appeared in my hands as a book because that's what it read like. Nope. She's terrible still. No one makes me madder. Like, there's, there's, this one was not as bad as Midnight Sins in terms of the writing, but nobody makes me more mad than Laura Lee's books. I, I get furious when I am reading them. The but, first time you read Midnight Sins, you refused to smooch me for like an entire day yeah. because you were so upset by the sex scenes. Yeah, they're bad. So Laura Lee comes last. Finn has now arisen from his slumber that we were hoping would continue. Um, I listened back to a couple of episodes, uh, and man, oh man, are those nails very loud. Uh, yeah. We should get like a rug or something, I guess. Anyway. Bonk. <laughs> um, so, Laura Lee comes last. First is Nalini Singh of last week's Bibliovile. Yeah, she read, or she wrote, um, 
Archangel's Legion. Oh, yeah, 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 that one. Okay. Uh, hers is Stroke of Enticement. Haha, <laughs> dirty. Gross. All right, there's the first one. Uh, it opens on a letter to Santa written by a 12-year-old that is more written by, like, a 6-year-old. Uh, so spend more time with children. Uh, she is in the hospital with an M sigh and a dear changeling nurse. Uh, so we get a little bit of world building in our letter to Santa and all she wants is someone to visit her in the hospital. She just wants a friend. And then a time jumps to her as an adult and she's a teacher. Oh, yeah, okay. Why, why? why did we have that? I don't know. But she's a teacher. She teaches at a shifter school, uh, nice. she, in Wyoming. She teaches, or Yosemite's in Wyoming, right? Yeah. Yeah. She teaches mainly to Dark River. No, Yosemite is, um... Yellowstone is in Wyoming. Yosemite is Northern California. All right. So Northern California. Uh, she teaches mainly to Dark River kids. Oh, that makes more sense. Okay. I thought they had some sort of like super fast travel because their parents live in San Francisco and they treat it like no big thing. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I thought it was just like, it's the future. Travel is fast because it's the future, but it's not really that futuristic. Uh, she teaches Dark River kids. She is at a shifter school. Uh, she's after school with a misbehaving kid who got in a fight. Uh, or more often, like, beat up this nerd because he was being a jerk or something. Uh, and the kid's Uncle Zach is coming. Uh, Uncle Zach is, of course, very hot. Uh, of course. He is a soldier in the Dark River Army. Uh, the Dark River Army's fury had run unchecked during the Territorial Wars, I find out. But oh. they have since made an alliance with the Snow Dancer Wolves. And are, oh. and are currently working out with a, an, a deal with the Psy Council, PSY. Of course there's a council. Of course there's a council. I love it. Um, Uncle Zach is immediately a disgusting person, uh, but it's it's obviously very good that he's disgusting. He calls her sweetheart and teach, uh, which is gross. I'm a professional with your child. Please stop doing that. Uh, but she loves it. Um, they are doing a Christmas pageant in school called How the Psy Canceled Christmas, uh, which oh. seems racist because that's an actual like type of person. Like The Grinch is not a... a type of person yeah you don't say like how the scandinavian man canceled christmas or yeah whatever. like that would be just like racist but whatever um so it's the future zach seduces this lady uh i'm glad you can remember name her name is annie kildare uh annie kildare, kildare. kildare was, uh, has a slightly bum leg and hip uh, due to a train accident that she was in a magnet train it's like the future but it's not futuristic it's just technology is better kind of stuff maybe because they have like you know superhumans um so she was in a train crash her mom survived it she survived it her dad like everyone survived it uh but her mom is now very very protective which i thought was kind of uh realistic to put in such a short story yeah uh so she has like a bum leg uh she had the wreckage lifted off of her by a little boy sigh who lifted the wreckage with his mind and then teleported away Okay. That's a thing that happened. So she feels like, uh, that's what makes you beautiful. Like, she doesn't know she's so beautiful. And oh, one of those. Uncle Zach likes her because she's got, what is it with sex books and plump lips? Like, I know that lips in general are a sexy piece of a puzzle, but like... Everything is always about lips, and we don't really yeah. get a specific biting their lips and licking their lips and, and the to shape of their, their lips, lips and yeah. describing their lip their lips like a bow. Ugh, 
That's a big Small one. Small bow of her mouth. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we don't really get a super physical description of her other than she's oh so curvy. Of course she's curvy, but not too curvy. Not too curvy. She's quite short and she's got a bum leg so she thinks she's ugly and Uncle Zack is into it. Uncle Zack is a leopard shifter. That is where we get the cat. There's literally no other like actual cats in this story. <laughs> he is a shifter that so shifts into a leopard. So he is the magical Christmas cat. Uh, he's not magical at all. There's no magic. Well, he's a shifter. Well, that's not really magic. It's kind just, of. Just, just fantasy. Um, not real life. Uh, so they agree to go on a date. There's no time to spare. They just start like loving each other um, for reasons. Then he's going to make her her mate, which is like a permanent thing. And she doesn't want to be in a is marriage. Is it in title case? Mate. No. Oh, man. Um, she doesn't want to settle down because her parents have a very bad relationship. And, you know, like, I saw what you meant. Like, it's not bad writing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, from last week, you kind of talked about how yeah. it just wasn't your thing. It's not exactly bad writing. Uh, the one thing I want to point out is that they go to his family reunion, which is near Christmas. Like, this is happening basically around Christmas. Yeah. But none of it is about Christmas. Well, maybe they don't celebrate Christmas in their shifter religion. I guess not. Uh, I'll bring that back when I talk about Laura Lee. Um, but she goes to his family reunion, and everyone is like, oh, they're they're screwing. And they haven't screwed yet, but they obviously want to screw, and mm-hmm. you can smell arousal. So they can all smell that she's, like, wet. It's gross. Gross. Um, but he pays respects to his alpha. The Zach, the shifter, pays respect to his alpha. And I'm like, yeah, the alpha of the leopard pack. Yeah. Aren't they solitary creatures? Yes, leopards don't move in groups. Like, basically, the lion is the only cat that functions in a a pack situation. Yeah, in a pride. In a pride, yeah. So, an alpha for a solitary creature is very odd. But then again, they are somewhat human, and humans are very social, so I don't know. The alpha, for what it's worth, is married to a psi. One big thing that i if i could tell short story writers is shut up when they're having sex like stop talking to each other and it's not like dirty talk they're just like you know when i saw you out there at 11 p.m on the friday night that you were there and this thing that's happened like this is stop talking like if it's not yeah stop like having a full conversation yeah it's one thing to say like oh i like that or i love you Mm -hmm. or whatever but like having a conversation to get all the exposition out this is the weirdest pose you've ever put me in bud finn is just standing over mick's shoulder like a vulture yeah trying to shove his toy into mick's face um in a very classic uh reference the shifter man has a dragon back tat which is great. I uh, do like that. And then the uh, a new character shows up. Uh, Zach tells her about his mixed feelings toward, towards Annie, who doesn't want to be a mate. She gives him advice and then leaves and never comes back. Okay. And so it's very efficient to just have the advice character just show up and leave. Um, so then they go to a dinner hosted by Annie's mom because Annie's mom keeps trying to hook her up with these like respectable uh professors she's mildly racist against shifters Mm -hmm. uh because they're so passionate and she doesn't want a passionate man like they're dangerous whatever and so she brings zach to the dinner instead and he wins everybody over because he's so charming and handsome and he really loves annie and everyone can tell and then they go uh back and have sex again the sex is pretty all right uh nothing disgusting to stand out um and then the end scene uh finn's gonna hate it because i have to flip this open uh all right 
A long time ago, during the Christmas I lay in the hospital, she told him, retrieving a memory that had once been painful but was now full of wonder, I wished for someone who would be mine. And you could very definitely tell that this was Nalini Singh going, oh shit, the forward. <laughs> like, forgot about the letter. <laughs> oh yeah, I have to wrap this up somehow. He moved his hands down to close over her thighs. Are you calling me your gift? Yes, she smiled. How do you feel about that? Like it's my turn to be unwrapped. He nibbled at her mouth. Do it slow. Her laughter mingled with his, and the sound felt like starlight on her skin, like the promise forever, like the lick of magic. The end. So it's like, oh, uh, shoot, the, the letter. Uh, I wished one time for a boyfriend, and you're my boyfriend. The end. <laughs> also, we have to somehow tie this to Christmas, because that was the theme. Yeah. And I kind of forgot about all the rest of the theme, except he's a leopard. Uh, next one... Christmas Brie, B-R-E-E. So not like the cheese, like the town from Lord of the Rings. Sure, or a woman's name uh, by Aaron McCarthy. This is my favorite. I feel like Brie, a woman's name is B-R-I. No. Like the nickname for Brienne? Or Brie Larson, B-R-I-E. I've never Mm. seen Brie end in just an I. Mm. Uh, But Brie, B-R-E-E. This one was probably my favorite of the four. Uh, not that it's like, I'm dying to read another thing by Erin McCarthy, but she did a pretty good job. Have we ever read anything by Erin McCarthy? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, um, it doesn't, the name doesn't jump out. Uh, but this one was very efficient and I have to respect its hustle. It opens with a tarot reading between sisters. There's a group of three sisters. They're all witches. This isn't other world, I promise. Okay. Um, the main character, Brie, is a... Uh, empath she can sense another person's feelings basically and read auras uh then her sister her younger sister is is like psychic and can Mm -hmm. tell the future which are two different things uh and then her older sister i can't remember she barely plays into this book at all she read more like she was a main character of her own book before and is now reoccurring. She probably was because Aaron McCarthy seems to be quite the prolific writer all of these people are very prolific it's very easy when you don't have to actually wait it's very prolific when you don't... Oh, that... Hashtag sexy mistakes. Uh, hashtag sexy mistakes by a Cosmopolitan book, apparently. But the cover looked exactly like the second Midnight Sins that I made you read. So I thought maybe she uh, read the other Midnight Sins. That would have been wonderful. Anyway, so I had to respect the hustle. Uh, the tarot reading is that there's a there's a, uh, a lawyer who's coming and he wants to have sex with you and he's wearing a pink shirt. And she okay. goes, that's really weird. That Like, none of these cards say that. But then the younger sister's like, I know what I'm seeing. Uh, and so, ding dong, here's a big city. A big, here's your mail. A, <laughs> hey, mail. Uh, he, Ian shows up. He is a big city lawyer. Uh, is and, this a Hallmark movie? Uh, and he's, Are they eventually going to move back to her small town? They are in her small town. Oh, Ian, okay. Ian is coming back to his small town base. Or a small town. He was originally from a small town, but this is not his. Uh... So we're skipping character development by just making them witches so they just know that how, like, <laughs> like we don't have I to prove like love. that it's... is a summary of so many books that we've read. We can skip character development because they're witches. Yeah, they're psychic. Uh, so Big City Laura, Ethan, comes along and he's been having sex dreams uh, about Brie ever since he glanced at her from a, like, during a party of some sort. I didn't really oh. get the, the, I, the details did not lodge in my head. And it's like... Bud just wants a big titty goth girlfriend, and that's yeah. rela- like that's 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 relatable, you know. Big titty goth is just like a, a type, mm-hmm. and she's a big titty goth. Uh, so everything is getting very clear, and he has a client that 
wants to buy the house, but Brie lives in this like Victorian mansion that was owned by her grandmother and was passed on when she died. And, you know, it's the thing. So she doesn't want to sell it. And the main point of the uh, the big city lawyer coming around is he's like, thank goodness I have this excuse because I've been having these sex dreams over a year. She's been having these sex dreams about a man having sex with her during Christmas time in this room or whatever. And so eventually they kind of like, we're both having the same dream. Like this is this is some sort of magic. And so it's just like, well, we're going to have sex, right? And yeah, so they have sex. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And so this, the first sex scene comes a little bit. I'm like, is this book just going to be one long sex scene? Because usually the sex scene goes last, or at least like later on in the book. Mm -hmm. And I found out why. It's because that sex scene, which was pretty okay. Like it wasn't disgusting. It didn't yeah. get my motor rare in or anything, but that's not really what I'm into. Uh, they have sex in front of a fire and it's good and fun. Uh, and then they get cold and wrap up in blankets. And he's like, oh, he's actually like really tender and like protective. Oh, that's nice. He's good not for just her. hot or whatever. Anyway. But then I learned why uh, it's <laughs> why they usually put the sex scenes at the end uh, because it's uh, uh, like oh we're doing backstory now <laughs> like, oh I no I, I don't he like doesn't know where to go after yeah. that and yeah. so it, we find out that he grew up poor and got made fun of and I'm like I don't care bud like yeah it's a short story you don't need to. And you none don't of it need to really do that mattered. much. Yeah. Uh, one funny thing is she was wearing a turtleneck when they're going to have sex. And so the, the shirt gets stuck above her head. And so it's like kind of funny and awkward, but they're really horny. So they don't care. Uh, the bad is that she literally says to him, you're lean, but it's obvious you work out. Like that's not narration. That's her dialogue to him. Oh, no. <laughs> the thing I like most about you is that your character is that of a protective man. Uh, I guessed that the sex dream wasn't at the actual, the first sex, it comes at the end and he was going to buy the house. And that was pretty close. Uh, that doesn't happen. Uh, the rich client does in fact continue to price her out and then digs up a, uh, uh, like clause that the grandma was not paying property taxes. So now Brie owes like hundreds of thousands of dollars in property taxes. And so he would be happy to pay it if they let him have the house. So she has to force to sell it. And she thinks it's his fault, so that's where we get our act or our, our act two mm -hmm. conflict. Um, then he decides she decides she's gonna sell it. She's not gonna try and find a way to get these hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, and so she goes house shopping, and there's another like weird sort of house uh, on the edges of town that's kind of Victorian but smaller. Uh, and then he also wants to move to the smaller town to be closer to Bree to win her back. And the two realtors arrive with them in tow at the same time, one entering from the back, one entering from the front. And when they meet, they realize that the room they are currently standing in is that of another dream that they've been happening having together. And Aww. so they get married and buy the house. Can I just say, you have to be really careful on this podcast to use the phrase one entering from the back and one entering from the front. hey uh, <laughs> There was more cat in this one because the cat of the witches, which is a black cat. Of course. The one on the cover is white. Have. Uh, was carrying around a lust infused mistletoe and so for a while she was blaming that sort of talisman for why she wanted to have sex with him she didn't uh, actually like him at all it was just this stupid it was mistletoe. Just the mistletoe so there's more cat but the same amount of christmas which is none um one thing that did really good this book did a really good job at is that it got it out of its own way and it was just like they want to have sex just fine like they, yeah. they want to have sex uh big titty goth um and then at the end he they're like talking to each other 
she knows she overreacted and like there's like this really good because she knew it wasn't his fault in her head but in her heart she's mad and so she blames the person that's in front of her which is him right and that, that's a pretty realistic uh representation yeah, those things happen and the the thing that made the saris really good is that they are taken in and accepted but not like immediately forgiven like they're yeah, not, not like away. oh everything's fine now yeah, yeah it's like no i understand why you did that i'm not like cool with it but so i thought that that was really like realistic i forgive yeah. you i don't i don't say that i have not happen. forgotten yeah. um as i'm on second book i say this is like a flight like a uh, a flight of beer but instead of a pint down to a flight size beer it's like i'm usually used to drinking 40s and now i have to drink an entire pint <laughs> Um, moving into the fucking weird one. I just, like, my last note for this one is just fucking weird one, bud. <laughs> um, Ruby. This was Laura Lee? No, this is Linda Winstead Jones. Sweet dreams. Okay. Ruby is a, of course, it's bibliophile and it's around Christmas. So she is naturally, uh, what's her job? Uh, she owns a Christmas store. Mm. It's called Sweet Dreams. Oh, she owns a bakery. A bakery. Yeah, Duh, for sure. So, uh, Ruby is our is our heroine she finds zane benedict mm. the quote study or sturdy and standoffish professor and she thinks that she, end quote and she thinks that he is her secret santa at the neighborhood party and it's like even for xmas sex book this is a bit thin sexmas 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 uh he's trying to hand her back her own cookies uh from her bakery because uh he doesn't eat processed sugar or something and that's why he's so hot um it's from her own bakery, and she's like, how'd you know it was me? And he turns over the tin, and it has, like, Ruby Bakery on the back of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, then we've got Todd at this party. He's the neighborhood ponytail nice guy. It's gross. Uh, but I didn't take a lot of notes for this one. Basically, she is given a jade cat from a secret admirer, not from her actual secret Santa. And this jade cat, uh, Zane, immediately is interested in it, takes it back for study, and then it reappears in her bedroom, and it turns out that this jade cat is the, like, talisman of a demon. Oh! Um, and this demon rises from the jade cat to murder and suck the soul out of someone every, like... That was absolutely not what I was expecting! <laughs> yeah. Um, every 400 years. So in this one, the cat's evil. The cat's a demon. Okay. And so basically she keeps having these terrible, terrible dreams. And we're supposed to be figuring out who's the person that's going to come kill her for the demon. And she suspects Zane because she's having these bad dreams and he always wants to be like next to her. And she thinks she is seeing the other victims of this cat. And so one of the victims tells her to trust nobody. And so she immediately suspects Zane. Turns out Zane is a member of a secret society that has been placed all around the globe looking for uh, this, this demon cat. Um, and so she, uh, goes back to Rome. She goes back to what I took to be like a Druidic or new world sort of native, uh, population and, okay. uh, and just, uh, has a whole lot of, uh, examples. This was a very bad idea. Zane wasn't supposed to get involved with the woman, but he was simply to watch and wait. But he wanted to get a look at the layout of her house, and he really wanted another look at El Colator de Anima, the soul collector. There were those who called the dark spirit that lived within the innocuous-looking statuette El Gato Nero, the black cat, but the Brotherhood of Mandani preferred a more fitting name. Soul collector was definitely fitting. So uh, he has to protect her from this demon, and it's sort of... 
ethereal for most of its its life and when it sucks out a soul if it gets its ninth soul like nine lives huh oh yeah uh then it's gonna become like real for real for real again and go on a rampage across the world so this one's like the big one uh the problem is that this is a lot to fit into a short story yeah um and so then she's tied up not by zane but by uh one of her co-workers at the bakery uh, and she's going to be sacrificed, but she manages to convince the person that works at the bakery, who's been, like, seduced by this evil demon, to, to help her or whatever. Um, to help it, I should say. Uh, she convinces the human to let her have a piece of cake before she dies. Okay. <laughs> Which is, like, if yeah, you're going to murder somebody, like, keep them tied up. She yeah. doesn't even, like, retie her hands. Uh, and so she's eating with her silver silverware because she says, like, Oh, I never even used my brother man as China. I mean, if I'm going to die, then I might as well take it. Oh, it's a silver and it's the demon. Yep. And so good job, After the lady. demon comes out of the cat, but before the cat sucks up the soul, it's like body and murderable. So she, she stabs the cat with the silver knife. And then I'm supposed to read something from page 247. Let me see here. Oh, so the, the other person gets arrested. The, the bad lady gets arrested. Uh, and she's like, well, you don't know what they're going to do to me if I... If I don't succeed, like, the, the shadow organization is going to be so mad. With the demon destroyed and Mariel's assumption about the status of her safety having... This is Mary is the... Mariel's the bad lady. Okay. Assumption about the status of her safety having been proven correct. She'd been found hanging in the Minville jail just two days after her arrest, dead from apparent suicide. Oh, shit. Life was normal. And I just have to comment. This is some, this is some Epstein stuff right here. Oh. <laughs> Dead in a jail cell by hanging. Anyway, secret societies in the short story. Fucking weird one, bud. That's a that's not where I expected that to go. I thought that was gonna be the typical like Hallmark movie, nice lady owns a bakery, winds up falling in love with a colleague. Yeah, this one had the least amount of sex in it because Because it was so busy with all the dark magic stuff. I don't even know if they had a full on sex. They just wanted to have sex. Yeah. Uh if if they did, Uh then it wasn't good enough to register. And now, Sue, for the peace de resistance, we have to <laughs> talk about Laura Lee's. Yes, we do. Get this title. Ah, what is it? What is it? What is it? Does it have the word hunger in it? No. What is it called? Christmas Heat. <laughs> Just that name alone is so. Oh, is it gross? Morally, it's disgusting. Is it gross? Oh, I'm so happy that this it's is a gross. short story. I mean, like just structurally speaking, it's not short enough because it exists. Okay. But this short story has a dedication, a forward, and a prologue. <laughs> it also has an epilogue. <laughs> Does she know what a short story is? I don't know. Like, the prologue talks about breeds. They were made, not killed, or something oh, like that. Oh, no. Then the prologue talks about uh, Haley McGuire, our main character. Uh, here's one shifter talking to two businessmen about we are doing this thing. So she hears a crime happening. And I am excited to hear a Laura Lee shifter supernatural book because there was nothing supernatural about midnight sins except how terrible it was yeah it was supernaturally bad but um she heard a breed older is how it's put in the book and do you mean an older breed like breed is just the name of the species like instead of shifter there's called breeds okay do you mean an older breed or a breed elder 
Yeah. Because breed older, that's not is a not thing. a thing. Uh, lots of dams abound. Lots of oh, damned. I'm damned. You're damned. That is one of her favorite words. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The hungers come later. Oh, good. The, the I'm glad they do yet. make an appearance, though. Uh, something's oh. Okay. This is going to be a while, but this is just so Laura Lee in that what is happening. So she heard a crime happening. She heard the breed older talking to these pharmaceutical reps that want to make a medicine to kill, control, something, something bad. Okay. I don't know. Noble was is the man's name in this book. She all but whispered his name and he heard the sound, that soft hint of longing he wondered if she even knows at her voice. He gripped her arm and jerked her behind him, ignoring the soft little cry as orders began to snap into the communication link at his ear. You stay. He jerked her to the corner and pushed her in the little alcove created by the fronds of several potted plants. He pushed her to the floor and pointed to her, his finger to her pale face. Stay till I come for you, understand? We don't know what's happening. Good. She said his name. He saw out of his periphery something- Periphery? Ha- sure. Happening at the entrance. That's all we've got. Okay. She but n- to be fair, you had to expect something like this from Laura Lee. Oh, yeah, you never know still, what's happening. She nodded quickly, even as he turned away and began snapping orders to the other guests, hurting them quickly from the confrontation brewing. What confrontation? At the ballroom's <laughs> entrance and into the buffet room. Why he hadn't pushed little Miss Haley McGuire into the more secure room, he couldn't explain. It was something about her eyes, that edge of fear, and the fact that she had entered after Brackenmore and Ingalls, the two guys, more than anything else. Or it could have been that niggle of insanity he had been trying to ignore for months. Librarian Haley McGuire, secure in the far left corner of the ballroom, he spoke in the small mic that curved along his cheek. She's a hazard in the ballroom, he was told. Rules voice, cold. Get her with the others. Negative, he refused the order. Something isn't right. Uh, moments later, several things happened at once. A breed female enforcer distracted Dr. Eli Mori, and Jonas jerked the gun from Eli. Okay. What? Number one... Who the hell is Dr. Eli Mori? Number two, what gun? Yeah, that was the first time that was introduced. Yeah, I promise I didn't skip it. Also, what are the odds that we would both have characters in our books called Rule? No kidding. Like, this happens. It just just happens. Laura Lee's thing. This is what makes me so mad. Is that something happens and then she introduces and explains it. It's like, no, bud. That's not how it works. You introduce something, and that imagine if somebody got shot, and then Chekhov was like, oh, there's a gun on the wall. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. You can't do that, bud. And it happens again a bunch. Uh, so one good thing about you having bought this is I'm allowed to mark on it, so I've got some, some marks. Uh, yeah, we own this. This is our book that we own now. Yeah, so there's Sanctuary, which is for breeds, which were made in a lab and something, something, something. I have no idea. They talk a lot about freedom. Freedom from what? I don't know. Okay, okay. The main heroine, Haley, is that what I just called her? Uh, Haley, it's it's Christmas-ish time, and she's a librarian at this community center, always a community center. There's in the always a community center, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's specific. She is going to testify against these, these pharmaceutical reps, and so they're trying to kill her, and it's like, that's not how it works anymore. You don't kill witnesses. You just don't believe them. <laughs> that's how it works when you're powerful. But anyway, uh, so she's on her way out of the library. She gives her assistant at the library the keys to her truck because it's about to snow and her assistant has a small car. She'll take the small car because she lives in town. 
And the truck blows up, killing the assistant. Oh, no. So now she's in danger, and Noble needs to come save her. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about that is that is decadent in this book, in a way, is the names. This is literally how this man is pronounced, or man is introduced. This is pretty much a quote. Wolf Gunner, pack leader of the wolves. No. Wolf Gunner. G-U-N-N-A-R. Pack leader of the wolves. Wolf Gunner. Pack leader of the wolves. And it's slightly hinted that breeds get to pick their names. So that explains why the names are like oddly weird. Yeah. But or like still, why why someone would just be like, oh, I'm I'm a wolf. My name is Wolf. I'm Wolf Gunner. Some other names that we that we meet as we go. Mordecai Savant. Oh wow. Mercury. That's a Yasmin Gallinor name. Mercury Warrant. Okay. Law with an E. Rule. Blade Travers. Blade Travers. Craven, John Talon are all names. Okay. Uh, the writing is terrible. What happens after the forwards? Time skips. Uh, Good only, time skip. Did you one. try to keep track of the time skips? There's only, or there's one, only one. Okay. That is my one regret about Midnight Sins is that I didn't keep track of the time skips. Yeah. But I can't bring myself to reread it. So, so one of the uh, after the attack. This is a quote. What was happening? A strike? <laughs> That's not even the funny part, but Jesus. Okay. Some sort of attack? Sanctuary wasn't far from Buffalo Gap, and she knew that it was prone to attacks from several different racist societies, but no one had ever attacked Buffalo Gap. What? <laughs> it's prone to attack, but no one had ever attacked it. Prone to racist societies. Um, just... Is this set in, like, more, more the Great Plains region? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, black leather pants and heavily motorcycle boots. A leather jacket that he was unzipping. Heavily motorcycled heavy boots. Motorcycle oh, okay, boots. okay, okay. A leather jacket that he was unzipping as his gaze caught hers. Ooh. He moved like the jaguar he was bred from. So there's your cat. A hard, graceful shift of muscle. A ripple of danger. Ugh. Why is this book called The Magical Christmas Cat? I don't know. I think it's camouflage for when your mom's trying to get off and she doesn't want the rest of the family to know. Uh, quote, everything's not okay anymore. <laughs> Every- Mick Dickinson after reading this book. <laughs> everything's not okay anymore. What kind of friggin' sentence is that? <laughs> they ki- Okay. They killed Patricia. Her head lifted from his shoulders as the door closed behind them. Her eyes, that dark ring of blue spreading into the gray, darkening them further. Why do they always have gray eyes? Oh, hold on. Just listen to the structure. They killed Patricia. Period. Her, that's dialogue. Her head lifted from his shoulder as the door closed behind them. Okay. Okay. This is a sentence. Her eyes, comma, that dark ring of blue spreading into the gray, comma, darkening them further. That's not a sentence. That's not a sentence. That's a sentence fragment with three clauses. <laughs> the writing is so bad. Ridiculous. Dane Vander Ale snapped a brown V-ing his a frown V-ing his brows. Ugh. Brows don't get V'd. They they. Ugh. So anyway, they, I don't like, know if I brought it back. But and also, there's a word for that. It's called fur, like your yeah, brow fur- furrows. There's a lot of stuff I said we were going to talk about that I have since forgotten what it was I was supposed to talk about. But unlike Bear Meets Girl to a Honey Badger, okay, Laura Lee didn't get any friggin' better. No. Still, I wonder which one was first. I wonder if this was pre-Midnight Sins or post. 
I don't know, but do you want to hear what the forward is? Because the forward to this, the dedication. Yeah. For my early readers, all of you, for saying, hey, this just doesn't work. Or, OMG, this is working so great. Oh, no. For telling me when it's going wrong and when it's going right. Each book is a combined effort, a creation of my imagination and my early readers' imaginations and all the hard work my editors put into it. You make all the difference and I couldn't do it without you. So she's thanking her readers for helping her edit and then also thanking her editors who clearly don't exist. This seems, yeah, uh, a real a real heavy uh, sort of desperation in that. Yeah. To my early re- readers for pointing out all the different problems with my stories. That reminds me of the, so when you read, I think when I read Midnight Sins, there was in the front of the book praise for the second installment. And the like praise for the second book was basically like, the plot stays on track. Yeah. Characters. The characters are developed. Like basic hallmarks of fiction. Novel writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's a fun quote. He knew she uh, she was free. She wasn't sleeping with anyone. He knew she was because if another man had fucked her recently, he would have smelled the bastard. Oh, gross. Yeah, there's the same Laura Lee characters with the quote unquote good innocent girl and the bad boy, except the bad boy is just an abusive, like controlling yeah. Manipulative, monster. yeah. Um, she yells for him to get kicked out of the house, even though she loves him for reasons. Uh, the guy, a shifter also died in the attack, Jason Lincoln, and he'd chosen that name because he admired all he knew about Abraham Lincoln. Cool. Oh, I love You know, that does make me think though, can you imagine if we got to pick our own names and how different our names would be depending on what stage of life we were in when we chose them? No kidding. Like, can you imagine if Mick at 14 had gotten to pick his name? Your usernames are bad enough. Strong Baddie in 49 was my name handle, yeah. Turd Ferguson. Turd Ferguson. Uh, Matt, who I don't think listens anymore, but my brother Matt had about eight different uh, names on Facebook. One of them was Pants Dickinson. And then uh, I tried to change my name to Hurricane Dickinson because that seems like a much funnier version. Oh, yeah. He was also Fort Dickinson for a while before Facebook made you stop changing your name. Uh, But Hurricane Dickinson wasn't allowed. Lame. Uh, She couldn't bear the thought of never hearing Zane give her another smart-ass comment. Or of Zane is the sheriff that she also had a relationship with. Wasn't Zane the one from the last book? (laughs) I guess it didn't register. Um (laughs) Uh, give her another smart-ass comment, or of Noble, the shifter we are supposed to like, never reading another carpentry book, or never reading another book of, quote, mistakes, as he always called them. He read, reads history books, because history was filled with mistakes, had been his reasoning, and he wanted to learn from them. Oh, honey. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Just bad. Isn't, bad that, isn't that your whole thing, Mick, is that you teach students about mistakes? Mistakes, yeah. So they can learn from um, them? That's what you do as a history teacher? There's a lot of teacher. talk about being free. Like Lincoln, the guy who named himself after Abraham Lincoln really loved Abraham Lincoln because he freed slaves and everything. It's like, you guys seem pretty free. Like, I don't know yeah. what you're supposed to be a slave to. Uh, there's a genetics council. There's an assassin. Uh, sent an e- the assassin sent an email from an untraceable email address and then signed it. <laughs> uh, a coyote shifter has like a, a familiar, like a coyote. Uh, and it's like the bloodthirsty animal. The coyote was around. She felt unsafe. It's like a single coyote is more of a pest than a danger. Yeah. Like they just are going to come and eat your chickens. Like a coyote, I think, is less threatening than a wild dog. I don't think coyotes ever attack 
rarely attack no, humans. They're like tiny, scrawny little bitches. Yeah, they're sm- they're small. Yeah, they they're are. They're gonna they go after your and, like small livestock. They are, they are less dangerous than they're gonna a eat domestic your trash. Dog. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you don't you don't even know animals. Like, how are you writing about animals and you don't even know what a fucking coyote is? Uh. Just total uh, Laura Lee, at one point, the heroine gets mad, and so she crossed her arms over her breasts. Okay. And just, like, just say she crossed her arms. I would like to tell you something about boobs. Does this character have big ones? Assumedly. They all do, right? Yeah. So, you, like... Yeah, boobs are very high. Yeah. Like, crossing your arms over your boobs is really uncomfortable. Like, it hikes your shoulders up weirdly. Like when I cross my arms, I like tuck They're under them boobs. under yeah. my boobs. Yep, just like although lady. I feel like if she were gonna write about someone crossing her arms under their boobs, she'd be like, and then he looked at the way that they they bunched, they pressed nope. up. She and... just can't write a scene without thinking about breasts. Yeah, she she boobed down the stairs breastily. <laughs> um, this is disgusting. He, they're about to have sex, but they don't want to have sex because, oh my god, when is the? Are they the, saving themselves for no, marriage? Because with breeds, they they get some sort of like sex drug hormone, and so once it's engaged, like you're gonna be mine forever if I kiss you or something. Gross. Uh, lots of hunger. Um, I I <laughs> I don't. Did I ever write down the description of what it is? I can't imagine that I didn't like. How did I miss it? Oh, God. Oh, there it is. When I kiss you. When I kiss you, the taste of that kiss is going to make you crazy for more. The hormone in the small glands beneath my tongue will be released into your system, and the mating hormone will begin to fill your senses. It's like a drug for sex. It's like a need that the only one thing will ease, and that's my semen pumping inside Oh, my you. God, no! Uh-uh! No, get, just get ready for oh, this. Oh, no, no. When that happens, a small thumb-shaped extension will become erect from beneath the head of my cock. What? It will lock me inside you. What? Spill another hormone into you. Then together, they'll prepare your body for the few viable sperm breeds possess. That pill will ease the effects of the heat. He's giving her medication. It might even ward off the pregnancy that will come eventually. It takes a while sometimes for fertilization for a child to be created, but it always happens eventually, and the heat never goes away entirely. It grows day by day, year by year, until mates are bound so closely together that life without each other is unimaginable. That is the grossest thing I've ever heard. Thank goodness that this uh, uh, book is mine because I couldn't help but write in the margins vertically. What the fuck? Like a lot of shifter books have this concept of like, or like even the one I read a couple books ago, the heart bond. Yeah. But like like that's. The thumb-shaped the thumb-shaped extension, shaped extension yeah. is just so much. Very gross. That's so much. Uh, a gentle caress of your flesh. It will burn inside you. He's telling her more about this. It will warm your desire more than ever. And here we get into the thing that made me press so hard on my note pages that it wrote it like the imprint of the words is clear two pages away. Oh, no. It's going to get worse than that. No, that's the grossest single thing, but this okay. just keeps coming up. It will warm your desire for me more than ever before. And the sweet, sensual smell of your cream will make me crazier. Uh, This has one description, and it is sweet cream. Oh, no. Yeah. At least 
five times it describes her sweet cream. And oh. it has always both words. Sweet cream. At least they didn't use the phrase sweet cream in the bakery one. Yeah. You don't shave here. One hand lowered the backs of his fingers stroking over her mound. No. Shock gathered in in her voice that he would ask her. She had tried it once, but hadn't liked the sensation. So it's like, good for you, baby. Good, he crooned, fingers stroking over her again. So good. I want to feel your soft curls against my face. Can I do that, Haley? Can I feel your sweet, damp curls against my lips? I promise. No time. Stop. Go, uh, get away from me, Haley. He said, no, 